We hope you'll enjoy this episode of Women Worth Knowing. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Hey, this is Cheryl Broderson. And Jasmine Allnut. And we're in studio for Women Worth Knowing. And we're in studio with Pamela Markey. Yes. We talked about, you got to get a glimpse of her life in our last episode, and we're going to just launch out from there this week. Yes. So just by way of reminder, Pamela Mm -hmm. was born in the States, but went as a child at seven to Rhodesia. So kind of raised with a missionary experience and heart. So Mm -hmm. when we last left Pamela, she was living in Indiana with eight children. Yes. Her husband and her husband, George. And in Indiana, you had a church. And planted a Calvary Chapel in Crawfordsville, Indiana. Right. And it was doing well. Yeah. It was doing really well. <laughs> it was. So, so then how did you end up from Crawfordsville, Indiana in Russia? How did you make that move? What happened? Well, the Lord actually worked on us separately. As I said last time, okay, give me a country. Well, let's go. Yeah. You know, <laughs> But I actually, by that time, felt like we wouldn't, but our children... You know, that was Mm -hmm. what I prayed for. And so George actually saw a video by Bill Bright. Mm -hmm. And this was in 1991, probably, and how the doors had opened. You know, Iron Curtain had come down and he just saw people just with their hands out to get the Bibles. And his heart was just like, I want to go there. I want to go where, you know, people are just hungry to get the word of God. And at that time in the church, we had other leaders and we had someone who was actually co-pastoring with us. And so he sat down and he said, okay, there's some Calvary pastors who going to make a trip to St. Petersburg, Kiev, and Moscow. And he said, what do you think? I said, well, they have a number, call them, <laughs> get on board. And so he did. And so he took that trip and uh, he talked to the whole family before going. And he knew that there was a possibility that we'd choose one of those places. He got to Kiev and he said, this is it. You know, this is kind of where we're supposed to be. Everything changed after that, but it's the Lord drawing and leading, mm-hmm. you know, and that all becomes a part of the story. But the bottom line is he came back and he said, Kiev, and we all kind of cheered, you know, and, um, most of us, there were a few, but they had already agreed. We'll do it for at least a year. Yeah. You know, it might go longer, but. What was so, the yeah. age range yeah, of your children? So uh, two 16-year-olds, that was the twins. The first seven of my children are born within a 10-year period. Okay. And wow. so then it just kind of goes down by two. And then Aaron, my youngest, was five months. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So he said that we're going to leave in a month. I oh, thought, in a month. You know what? He doesn't know about international travel. I am the expert. We can't get passports for all these kids. I mean, we had no passports and it turned out to be quite the job. But, you know, I just, I trusted the Lord and I said, Lord, you will speak to him that we need a bit longer. And then he stands up in the church the next Sunday and he says, we're going to leave. And he gives a date. I'm going, whoa, Lord, you didn't talk to him. Yeah. (laughs) And the Lord spoke to me and he just said, get ready. And so we started getting ready. And by, so he came back in May and on July 4th, we are coming up to an anniversary. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Uh, All of us landed in Kiev. Wow. Didn't know anybody. Had a couple of contacts, got a bus. You know, it's just those beginning things. Now, where did you first stay when you got there? We stayed in a quote-unquote hotel. <laughs> um, everything, it, inflation was crazy. Everything was super inexpensive, but quite, you know, 
where we stayed was no definition of a hotel that anybody probably listening would think of, but that's where we stayed. I wouldn't let anybody open our bags. We had like 36 bags or something. They all had to live out of their carry-ons because we were trying to find a place. It was, it was a good six weeks before we moved in. So it was a hard place to find for a big family because in the city, it wasn't popular to have a lot of children. Right. So we finally ended up with a very interesting place to live and it accommodated a team and the Lord just opened doors and we just began the the hard job of, you know, fitting in and learning language because we none of us knew the language. And I, I could count from one to 10. Okay. And, you know, everything you bought was in the millions mm. because they were mm. coupons and mm. it was inflation was crazy. And so we just started, you know, we're going to learn language, find a place to start, you know, having a meeting. And so who learned the language first of all your children? Georgie. Yeah, of course. The genius. <laughs> all your children are so brilliant. When did you realize that they had this musical talent, though? Because they're all so, well, at least the yeah, first. they are musical, yeah. They're musical, especially Johnny. And I mean, but they all are. Here's the thing. In the, the former Soviet Union, in that place, music is so highly regarded. And to get a music education is extremely inexpensive. And so some of them had had piano lessons. And so in order to get them in, decided that they would go to national schools. You know, I'd taken books in case we wanted to homeschool, but national school seemed like the thing that we should do. I thought, well, just go. You don't have to be responsible for the classes. Just go to the classes and tried to put them in a year younger and so they could hear things. And then music schools, because many of them loved music and it was taught in Russian at that time. And so um, it was through that, really, I credit the Ukrainian music that right. blessed us tremendously. I mean, Johnny ended up graduating from the Conservatory of Music. Two daughters in music education, Mel and mm -hmm. and Robin. And so I, I think it's where we were, that God mm -hmm. blessed us with wow. that and them. I don't know that they would have been had we been here because music education is very expensive and mm -hmm. they got a top notch. And, you know, oh, yeah. I know with also with your kids eight, you know, which would seem like a deficit to most people, but it was actually your kids yeah. that were as we said before, all hands on deck. Yep. You know, just the way you were taught, like, hey, you're part of this. Mm -hmm. That's how your children were too. They were part and parcel with the ministry there. Yeah, Talk sure. a little bit about that. So the 16-year-olds, you know, mm -hmm. we finally found an apartment and it was right next to a school. And so we also had two other young men that joined our team. One of them became my oldest daughter's husband. Uh -huh. But um, so he was like 18 or something. Jed and Gorley. Jed Gorley. Yes, yes, yes. And okay. so they just all went mm -hmm. into the school and they said, we'd like to teach English. And at that time, the doors were wide open. Oh, yeah. And they said, okay. They said, well, we want to do it with the Bible. This, we don't care how you do it. <laughs> and so they, taught, they started with Genesis. And so those were the first people who came to the church. Mm-hmm. And there's a long time we thought, I wish we had some adults. You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but the adults came checking on us and just this is like compacting the story. But yeah, so that was the beginning of the church was because of what our, and also then the younger ones that would go out on and play on the street, then they're talking. And of course, the parents liked the fact that there was English Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. You know, Johnny was the ornery one though, because they go, you don't speak English. You're German, you know, and he was German. so bad. <laughs> anyway, um, and he'd say things in English that weren't super complimentary and, yeah. you know, <laughs> sorry, John. but anyway, it was rascal. really, yeah, he is. Yeah. So that's basically the, the kids, you know, I mean, we, we started with the Jesus film at a theater, oh, wow. it was easy to get, do that. And then an invitation to come to church 
Where, say, where were you meeting for church? Just at your house, or was well, it, no, no. Was My husband had this. He would. He said, "If you're going to go, you need to do this." So he rented the Conservatory of Music's hall, seven hundred seats. So there were like there were definitely ten of us, right? There, plus a couple of team members, and we marched out in front of it, and so that's where we started. And then the Lord got us into a place, you know, because that closed down because of different stuff. And so we started with the movie theater, actually, and that's where we had church. And then every night, basically, for that first year or so, uh, our home was open. Especially the school was right next door, so the kids would come home from school. And they would just come up. And we were all on the same floor in efficiency apartments. And so it drove me crazy and because it was like there's no time to be alone, you know. Yeah, but you ended up raising your children then in Russia. Mm -hmm. So I didn't realize Aaron was only five months mm -hmm. old. So when I say Georgie learned first, Johnny went to kindergarten. He mm -hmm. was six. Okay. And by three months or so, he was... Fluent. poems in Ukrainian oh, and singing and all yes. dressed at his kindergarten. Mm -hmm. The kids just kind of grew up, right. you know, so they, yeah. Oh, and that, wait, so that's true. That you're, you're actually, you learned Ukrainian. Did you learn well, Russian Well, no, I well, learned Russian. It? Okay. It okay. was it was almost all Russian. At that. It was just, I mean, we're right there in the first year. Right. And so by the time Johnny went to first grade, which was the next year after we came, first grade was in Ukrainian. Mm. Interesting. So on the street was Russian. Huh. in the schools. And then David went to a class where they had a person from Russia, from Azerbaijan. And so she taught in Russian. But by the time he went to the fifth class, everything. So it was a, so the kids know both languages, mm -hmm. except my grandkids now they speak Ukrainian. But I decided to learn Russian because we thought we would plant the church and be there. And Russian is one of the most spoken languages going that way. And I thought if I learn Russian and we go somewhere else, that'll be the yeah. language, you know. And then later I took Ukrainian to understand the parent-teacher meetings, the, the main words, you know, like money, <laughs> parents, the ones that varied, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but the kids don't let me speak Ukrainian because it's so terribly mixed with Russian. So. But to jump ahead, now I'm going to a country where it's Georgian, but there's a lot of Russian speaking because of that. I feel like the Lord directed that. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Because, you know, we're talking the 90s is yep. when you learned the Russian and mm. how long were you in Kiev? Yeah, I think it's 14 years. Uh-huh. Might be 15, 14 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then what was the next call? So we felt that the work was ready for national leadership. Mm. And so um, our next thing was to go to Kyrgyzstan. Mm -hmm. wow. Yeah. Or our daughter, Melanie, and her husband felt called to go there and they invited us. I mean, we had already turned the church over, believing that God would give us the next step. We didn't feel called back to the States. We felt there was a, a next step to take. Um, Johnny was already in university in Ukraine. And so we um, went to support them which was really consistent with the culture in Kyrgyzstan. Mm -hmm. It's like families do things together. Mm -hmm. So cool. their final thing was, is that if you come, you'll be the seniors. It'll draw people. And you had Aaron with you at this time, right? And so Aaron and, and Kristen. Kristen. And Kristen is your adopted daughter yes. that you yes. adopted while you were in the Ukraine. But in Kyrgyzstan, there were some unexpected circumstances. I mean, Pamela, you always probably expected to serve with George, right? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's when, you know, George, did he start having stomach problems? Was that? Yeah, I think so. So our George and Sharon were uh, being support missionaries to the Kiev church. He wasn't mm -hmm. the pastor, but he was, you know, they had stayed and they were having their first child. Mm -hmm. And so I went to Ukraine from Kyrgyzstan to be present for the birth of the child and be there. And while I was gone, uh, I got a word that George, they thought maybe he had appendicitis or something. It was very, very sudden. 
And so then they said, we don't know what it is. It's going to have exploratory surgery in Kyrgyzstan. I talked to the doctor at that time because that was Russian speaking. So mm -hmm. I was able to communicate. And he said, we're fine. We have everything we need. You know, don't hurry, but come. And so I went back to Kyrgyzstan and it turned out to be... Um, acute pancreatitis mm -hmm. and he had surgery there and everything was okay for a while and then it just started going downhill he ended up actual doctors said you we can't we don't have mm -hmm. the rest of what we need and he was evacuated to um to the states actually first to germany because that was the first step and then to the states and three weeks i think from the time we found out he went to be with the lord so it was very, wow, sudden. very sudden and he was so healthy i mean mm -hmm. wait how old was he he was 65 oh mm -hmm. wow yeah yeah and that is young. Yeah, that is. And then, yeah. yeah, he was a healthy 65-year-old. Mm -hmm. right. you know. So now you had the choice after George's death to, you know, stay in the States where I know you were offered some support. You've got an education. So, you know, you've got two children with you. And that would seem kind of the logical or easy thing to do. But what did you decide to do? It <laughs> was logical and people were kind of relieved that, I mean, I had a 15-year-old. Mm-hmm. And a 10-year-old. Mm -hmm. and um, But none of them had ever been in America to get their education, which is not, you know, that doesn't mean they can't be. And my mom at that point was in the States and, and we were very close. It would have been an opportunity to get to be with her after all the years of separation. And she told me, she had someone ask me what you were going to do. And I told them, I said, well, she's a missionary. You know, mm. she'll decide where the Lord's going to call her. And I thought, thanks, mom. Because mm. she could have. Mm -hmm. Totally wanted to keep you. Wanted to keep me and yeah. made a very good case for that. And then the church in Kiev called me and they said, please come. Mm. Because we'd been there. That was our home church. And mm -hmm. they said, please come. And I said, well, we'll have, you know, maybe a, some time. And they said, no, come now mm. and, and grieve with us. Mm. Oh, and so I had a call to go to Kiev. And I thought, well, okay. It was as though the Lord, coming back from the memorial service, Jed drove me and he was grieving. So, you know, he said, I can't imagine working with anyone else. And so we, and I just said, Lord, what? Mm -hmm. And he said, what do you have? You know, mm -hmm. what do you have in your hands? Yes. I said, okay, I've got, Johnny was completing the conservatory and he'd already told me, he said, I can't do that. I can't do that without dad being here, mm -hmm. you know, and one of his, one of his songs was the death march. Mm. Oh, he wow. did get that changed, which was rare because very strict, you know. And um, and the Lord said, he's not going to finish unless you go back. Mm. And then we hadn't been in Kyrgyzstan only less than six months. I could put them back into the national schools where they were. Chrissy was in a, a special needs school. They would take her back and Aaron was in another school. So I could put them right back into school there. Kara uh, Denny, who's here, she was leaving her apartment. She said, you can, you can all be in my apartment in the center. Wow. So George and George and Sharon said, we're called to Ternopil, but we won't leave until after this. And so Sharon and George with their new baby, Johnny, Aaron, Chris, and I moved into a three-room apartment, the most comforting thing anybody could do. Yeah. Wow. And the church, we just got around. It's the church. It wow. is. Around each other, wept together. And um, it was hard for the kids, Aaron especially. He just said, so how many memorial services do we have? And we're going to cry in every country? You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> 15. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, but then uh, Jed graciously, they were in Kyrgyzstan at that point, allowed Renee to come and stay with me for a few weeks and just, I couldn't find my way around the city, you know? Mm. And um, Chrissy has special needs, but she has this one amazing gift. She's like a walking GPS. Mm. If she's ever been anywhere, she can go there again. She just did it today at South Coast Plaza. <laughs> we went somewhere and she said, okay, turn left here. We'll just go straight here. 
Like, really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so she would get me home. Oh, wow. And the Lord and, and George and Sharon helped, you know, do all those things. So we did that. I felt like the Lord then said, Johnny was to take his exam to finish his master's program. The Lord just said, by, by September, because I had these children, you'll know. Mm-hmm. And I don't know whether it was just ridiculous or what it was, but I felt peace about that. And you had contacted Sharon and said, do you think, you know, she'd want to come? Sharon said, I don't know, you can contact her. And I took that before the kids that were there in Kiev. And um, and Paul Billings, who's my son-in-law, he just said, well, why wouldn't you do it? Mm-hmm. Which is a little, um, what can I say, a little chutzpah, um, <laughs> because I, I knew you had lost your husband, but I so desperately wanted you to teach at one of our retreats. And I was like, well, <laughs> I know you. she's kind of free right now. <laughs> but I was so excited how, to have how, you how and much, that you said yes. How long had it been? George, George passed, passed in February. Mm-hmm. I mean, you asked me, I mean, you asked Sharon in March. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Or right April. After, okay. Yes. And I took it to the kids and I didn't even know where I was going to be in November. I yes. guess, you know, but that's all that the Lord step by step. Johnny was getting married in July. And after July, that's when I called Hungary. I found mm-hmm. that I would go there and I asked Phil Metzger. I said, well, I have this invitation in November. And what do you think? He said, well, school starts in September. Mm-hmm. So just come to Hungary. And I went, okay. And, then I'll, and so I then offered you the option of opting out because I was going to come from Hungary, not from the United States, you know. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Because the Lord, at that point, that's when I felt like I heard from the Lord that he said, you know, he was being my husband. And he just said, you say yes. And if it's not the right thing, I'll say no. Yeah. And I lived on that partly even now, but definitely in those first years, it worked. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, I just think I think yes, and I think, whew, I don't, I can't do this. And then either the Lord would prepare me, you know, in His kind way, or something else would happen. Mm. And so it was a no. I love the simplicity of that. Right. So very... you went from the Ukraine you know, back to the Ukraine. And then you went from the Ukraine to the Bible college in Hungary and yeah. uh, Vita. And that definitely was a community too. Yeah. Definitely. And the Lord knew that it was an amazing thing because separately, my son David and his wife, Deborah, mm-hmm. who had vow- David had promised Deborah that they would never go on the mission field. And she's a little Kentucky girl, my hero <laughs> at this point. And both of them then said, well, where should we go? And they decided to go to Hungary to Bible college. They were both college graduates. He's in sports, whatever, training, and she's a social worker. And um, and it, we ended up flying together. Mm. And then we got there, and I look across what was to be my house. It wasn't yet, but to be my house. And here comes this blonde angel across the thing. It was Mel. Mm-hmm. She's fine. Oh. She wasn't supposed to be there. Her daughter. Well, yeah, yeah. they were. They were in Kyrgyzstan. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, that's great. But we shared this story at a family get together, and and Paul said, "You can thank me." He had kidney stones <laughs> and oh, had to go oh to Hungary. Oh my gosh! <laughs> said you can take thank me later. But anyway, so they came to Hungary for for medical help from Kyrgyzstan. So the Lord just like. Mm-hmm. Plus the fact that Vita is a community. And mm-hmm, I met mm-hmm. Lisa. She had just lost her dad and mm-hmm. kind of, you know, he just everything that he does. Wow. But a complete change for me of being a pastor's wife and a, and I couldn't figure out what would be next. And you know what um, I, I find interesting too about your story, Pam, is that the Lord really brought you the community more on the mission field than even absolutely. in the States. Because mm-hmm. you would think, oh, you know, you're American. This is where your community is. But your community is the people that you've invested in. Yeah. And so that, right. you know, and whether it's your children that you've invested in, but these, these others. So how long were you in um, Vita? 
For how long? Was in Vita. I think it's it was eleven years, mm-hmm. and then we moved to Budapest. Mm-hmm. You know, right. which was another step, like where the Lord said, "Just embrace it." And so, altogether, in Hungary for thirteen years. You know, the interesting thing about Vita, though, because we talked about it being a community, and the Bible College there is very um, almost uh, Eastern European. Mm-hmm. Probably oh, you had some Russian right? yeah. and some yes, Ukrainian, we had Russian students. Oh, absolutely, Romanian. You know, all Eastern European. And so, again, your Russian comes in. Yeah. But you really don't speak that much Hungarian. No, I don't. You, know? <laughs> you have well, to make me admit that. On, I'm a missionary. I'm supposed to learn the language. Well, I had a friend. It's I, a hard one, though. I Hungarian, it's challenging, oh, yeah. from what I hear. Yes, <laughs> Every yes. language is so you know it. But um, even serving on the mission field, though, I, I know others who went there, and they never learned Hungarian because it is a little insulated. It's a compound. No, that's it. I tried to get it on Rosetta Stone. They don't have Hungarian. <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh, wow. When I moved to Budapest, mm-hmm. I knew I'd be in the city. I knew a little bit, but we were mm-hmm. a bubble, if you yeah. will, but not right. in a bad sense. We had mm-hmm. a lot of international students. I, I took Hungarian, mm-hmm. you know, and was able to start saying some stuff, mm-hmm. you know. So Now, did I you and Lisa s- take it together? No, oh. she took it later. I took it with Annie Johnson. Okay. Oh, Annie. Okay. Yes. Love we, Annie. That was a beautiful summer. We like went to classes together, <laughs> practiced, did our homework. It was fun. So you were teaching missions, right, at the for the Bible? Now, basically, I started out that Phil had this little class of people who were just interested in going. And he said, why don't you take that? So they were in my living room. And then as we progressed, he said, why don't you just establish a program for that? Mm. And so that's how we came up with a one-year mission training program or school of mission, that it became that. And so that was kind of my main thing. If, if there was something in the Bible college that was needed as far as teaching, then maybe I'd jump into that. Right. But that was my thing. Okay, let's just talk a little bit. Um, Phil decided, if Phil Metzger was the... Um, Overseer, director of the Bible College in Hungary. You know, he then takes over the church in Budapest and then he moves to Budapest and then he moves the Bible College to Budapest and then he moves to San Diego. And <laughs> Thank you very much. Is yeah. that, is that when you became the director of the Bible College? No, there were a couple others. And, you know, Paul Lang, oh, right. he was mm-hmm. on site when Phil moved, finally just not in mm-hmm. that leadership there. And so Paul Lang and then Caleb Beller. Mm-hmm. Oh. And then when Caleb left, that's when that transition happened. Mm-hmm. They just kind of needed, yeah, they needed someone to step in mm-hmm. and said, have you ever thought of being the director? And I said, my honest answer is no, <laughs> but I had a sense that I wasn't supposed to say no and I won't. Yeah. Um, wow. That was well, a hard one. I heard you give a Bible study one time on open hands before yeah. the Lord. and That's going to get you in trouble every time, isn't it? It really is. <laughs> <laughs> because it's about saying yes to the Lord and yeah. not holding back. But, you know, too, it, it's so like the Lord. You've got this education that kind of went on hold to raise your children. But you raised eight children. So if anyone knows about organization, yeah, it's a woman seriously. that birthed eight children and raised nine children. I mean, you know about organization and you know about the sacrifices of mission field, having been in the mission field in Rhodesia and then, of course, serving in Kiev, the Ukraine. You you know what that's like. You know the cost. You know all that. So now the Bible College has moved uh, again mm-hmm. to Kyrgyzstan. But you're in a holding pattern right now. That's why we're able to get you here. So tell us a little bit about the holding pattern. Well, we decided that what's the next move in mission? Because Eastern Europe and those places that we have, their national leadership, they're ready to like go. And we thought, okay, this is, you know, international, whatever. And so we felt like it was go east. Mm -hmm. And that's when we decided Georgia and... And yeah, so then we're we're on the go. Lisa's like, yep, okay, let's take an outreach team. Well, let's take the whole college there, <laughs> you know, because we're going to move there. 
So Lisa's great. She's got this vision. So we're all going to go. And then COVID happened. Mm. Lisa actually got to go just for those days. When they got back, there was no more going. Mm. We actually had to send our students home in Hungary, Mm. back to their home countries. We had from Scotland and UK and all these places and thought, no, we need to get them safely home. And so, um, yeah, so that's what happened. And then every semester we'd say, can we go now? Because that was still our thing. And it was not yet. You know, everybody knows that things just, I ended up going to Ukraine and helping ministry there, getting to be at a grandchild's birth. And then waiting, I was going to go to Georgia from there, but it wasn't possible. Finally just ended up back in the States, but continue. We taught in Zoom from all over the world. Yeah. basically. I mean, there was one I class, did a class that happened. for you. Yeah. What? I did a class for you. Yes, you did. That's right. On Zoom. Yes. Yes, on Zoom. The beauty of that was, and thank you very much. You're welcome. Was uh, Old Testament character studies where we were really, we wouldn't have done it without Zoom. We had pastors and teachers every week, somebody different from oh, all over the place, even from Europe. I mean, we mm-hmm. were, yeah. it was crazy, but it possible. was great. Yeah. yeah. And so that was so good for students. And we had students from India and Serbia and mm. on Zoom that actually communicated with each other and had community. Like they all said at the end, I've learned so much from this person and that person. Oh, History it. of mission hey. was what we were doing. And so, I mean, we've got two Indians in the class. And, and so they would ask each other, say, is that really how it is in India? And so then they would share. And I thought, Lord... That is so amazing. Cool. Are you going to keep it on the online portion then? When We're you guys... talking about it because okay. of that. Yeah, part, for that but we want to be fully on site mm-hmm. and yet benefit from what we've learned. Yeah, seriously. You know? So right now, what are we calling the Bible College? Is it? It's Calvary Chapel Bible College Europe. We have not. Okay. We okay. are. Calvary Chapel Bible before. College Europe, and you're overseeing it. Which is just amazing yeah, any kind of way it goes and however the Lord. But, you know, isn't that great? Because you have to be able to flow with it. And you've got that ability having, again, been married to George. Because we didn't talk about what a character your husband was. <laughs> no, we didn't. Yeah, that, that's a whole other podcast. Just to talk about what a character, wonderful character, but a character, but a wonderful character he was at one in a million. But even, you know, the constant adjusting to George, it kind of his grandiose ideas and his spontaneity, um, all those things. But, you know, you realize as you look back that the Lord was preparing you all that time, even for this place. And I love this because, you know, I'm 61. I know you're older than I am. We'll just leave it at that. But you know that life is not over. No, it's mm. not. Oh, it's not over. And God is not finished with you. Mm-hmm. Is that incredible? It is. I mean, when it, you're um, in the ministry and you're serving Jesus, there's no end point. No. Mm. And I'm he- I'm here. Mm-hmm. That means I'm supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that means he's got, and for me right now at my age and everything, I'm just shocked at how little I know. Honestly, Absolutely. Like, why didn't I learn in the conference? Why didn't I learn that earlier? But I think that that's God's sanctification process Mm, because we're going to keep going. That's right. And the Lord always has so much more for us. I mean, just when you think you know it all, he opens another door and you're like, what? Mm. I didn't know there was all this, too. I think that's what, you know, heaven's going to be like. I think so, Further up and further in. Right. And then, then of course, when we (laughs) come back uh, for, you know, I believe that we're coming back for the millennium to reclaim the earth and clean it up and more jobs. And I think heaven is just more preparation preparation for what he has for us when we come back, which is so exciting. Yes. So if there was one, we're in our last part now, if there was like one scripture or one one kind of theme of your life, what would that be? Wow. Of I should have given I should have given you that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give yeah, me yeah. a little yeah. heads up on yeah, this yeah. one. But so I'll just, you know, yeah. 
I, one thing I have to say is the word of God is more precious to me now than it's ever been. Mm, wow. And the Lord continues to speak through his word. And I think one of the things, and COVID's done this, and now this is, as I even look back, I think it is that whole idea that God isn't finished and that I loved what uh, Gary Brashear said today that, yeah, I'm going to heaven when I die. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be part of the kingdom of heaven. And so I feel like at this point, I'm pressing in to the kingdom. And the Lord's prayer has become so special in this COVID season, every part of it. But when it says, your kingdom come, your will be done. Always believe that, always prayed that on earth as it is in heaven. It's this continuum. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And looking back and seeing, this is a continuum. I'm a part of this. I have been a part of it. There's no break. There's a break in how I learn, but it's carrying on. Mm -hmm. And the upside down part of the kingdom where, um, you know, normally everything ends in death. You know, that's that's the end of everything. Mm -hmm. You know, that's death. People conquer. Somebody else that comes in and conquer, they all die and then it's over. and, And it's the other way around. So if I really believe that, and I love what Elizabeth Elliot says about it, but death brings life. Mm. But for me, it's taken on another thing. It is, yeah, I'm closer to death than I've ever been, obviously. <laughs> this is not a morbid thought. It's just truth. Yeah. But I'm more alive, not mm. because I'm saying some sort of spiritual thing. I'm more alive than I've ever been. No, because actually my body, I know I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm much weaker. You know, I, I have to be helped around sometimes, but as far as the kingdom is concerned, I am more alive than I'm closer to more life than I've ever been. Beautiful. And for me, that's... You know, I find wow. as I age, I care less about Cheryl and I care more. It's like this freedom. The other day we had a pastor that came over and I'm in my pajamas and I'm like, <laughs> oh, well, you know, he needs in and I've got to do this. And, you know... Oh, well. Oh, well. Die to self, right? you know, <laughs> as, as Jasmine would say, nothing to see here, folks. Yep. That's yeah. right. it's like, <laughs> and there's a freedom in that. There's, a there's just such a freedom in that. Pam, thank you so much for thank joining you. us. What an honor. Just, and I mean, Ladies. we so left out so many details. <laughs> I just do want to mention one honorable mention is that your son-in-law, Jed Gorley, wrote an incredible book about your husband, yes, which you're included in. What's the name of that book? Distant Fields. Distant Ooh. Fields. Is it available like on Amazon? It's or? available on Amazon. Okay. okay. Yes, That's Jed great. Gorley. Distant Fields. Okay. I've read it. I absolutely love that book. And if you liked what you heard today, you can find out more about Pam and the adventure and you can find out what a character George was, but what a <laughs> wonderful character George was in Distant Fields by Jed Gorley. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, thank uh, you. Pam. Yeah, thank, thank you, you. Thank you. Uh, so much. Those of you listening for joining us on Women Worth Knowing. And Jasmine, is that about it? Yeah, I think so. Thanks for joining us today. And come back again. By the way, we will put that book up on the website so that you can Excellent. check it out too. Great. So, yay. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Thank Bye-bye. You. Bye. Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnett. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow Jasmine on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at wwk at cccm.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you've subscribed and don't forget to rate us on your podcast app and share it with friends. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnett.